The following is a production of Phoenix Media. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! Strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, then steal in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. Convinced that Clark Kent is a government agent investigating the illegal business in which they seem to be engaged, the two hard-bitten men, known to us only as Bull and Chuck, have set steel bear traps along the forest trail they expect Kent to take in trying to run them down. The traps, well hidden under a layer of snow, are strong enough to hold a 600-pound bear. As dawn breaks over the clearing in which Kent, Jimmy, and their guide, Batiste, have camped for the night, None of them is even remotely aware of the danger lurking along the forest trail. Seated around the fire, they're finishing the breakfast Batiste has prepared for them while the guide tends his dogs. I don't know when I've tasted better fried ham. Wasn't it swell, Jimmy? Uh-huh. You don't sound very enthusiastic. Matter of fact, you didn't even finish the ham. What's the matter? Nothing. Oh, now, look, young fellow, don't try to kid me. I know your appetite, particularly out here in the open. When you leave anything on your plate, there's something serious the matter with you. What is it? Nothing's the matter, Mr. Kent. Don't you feel well? well I feel fine. Oh, what's bothering you, Jim? Oh, nothing. <laughs> you remember what I told you yesterday about exasperating me? And you're doing it now. Oh, I don't mean to, Mr. Kent. It's just that... that... All right, come on. Get it off your chest. Well, it's just that funny things happen. Things I don't understand. Oh? For instance... Oh, that shotgun, for instance. How did the barrel get twisted? Well, I told you, Jimmy, that some things are beyond explanation. Someday, perhaps, you'll know. You mean I'll know how the shotgun barrel got twisted? Sure, you'll know a lot of things. The older you grow, the more you learn. Oh, that's not what I mean. I've just got the feeling that you don't tell me everything. Don't tell you everything? Well, what haven't I told you? Oh, lots of things. Didn't I tell you how coal happened to be made and how the government operates game preserves? And... Oh, I don't mean things like that. I mean, well, the only thing I can remember now is the shotgun barrel. Oh, now, you take my advice, Jim, and forget it temporarily. Well, you all through with breakfast? Yeah, I wasn't very hungry. Okay. 
Let you and I take a little walk while Batiste is feeding his dogs and cleaning up, hmm? How about it? All right. Okay. Batiste, Jimmy and I are going for a walk. We'll be back soon. Where's you? All right, come on, Jim. Where are we going, Mr. Kent? Hmm? You haven't forgotten what happened last night, Jimmy, have you? Oh, you mean the airplane and the package it dropped? Mm-hmm. I thought we might look for it in the woods. Oh, those two men have probably found it by this time. Well. That's another thing that puzzles me. What? Why did you tell Batiste we were breaking camp? Aren't we going to find out who those men are and what they're doing before we leave? Yes, but I didn't want Batiste along with us while we were investigating. He's better off back at the clearing. Hey. It's pretty tough going here. <laughs> Knee deep in snow and dead branches. Mm-hmm. Well, isn't that a trail over there on the other side of that big tree? Where? Oh, yes, I think it is. Come on, Jim. Ah, here now. This is much better. Snow is packed down a bit. I wonder where this trail leads. Well, only one way to find out. Follow it. It's pretty narrow, so we'll have to walk single file, Indian style. I'll lead the way, but you keep close behind me, Jim. Okay. You don't think those men are real game wardens, do you, Mr. Kent? I'm sure they're not. As a matter of fact, I think they're up to something. Something they'd like to keep undercover. What could it be? I've been trying to figure it out. All I can imagine is that it's some sort of illegal border traffic. Hey, I'll bet that's it. I'll bet they use the airplane. Hold up a minute, Jimmy. Wait a minute. What's the matter? Someone's been on this trail recently. See those footprints? Uh-huh. The snow over there seems to have been disturbed. and packed down as hard as the rest. Well, take a look at it. Mr. Kent, what happened? Why, my... Oh, my leg is caught in a steel trap, Jimmy. Oh. Oh, what'll I do? What'll I do, Mr. Kent? Don't get excited, Jimmy. Run back to the clearing and ask Batiste for the file he carries in his dog sled kit. Use it to keep the sled runner sharp. Is that all, Mr. Kent? Yes, that's all. Now hurry, but don't tell Batiste what happened. I'll be right back. Poor kid. Hated to have to frighten him, but as it is, he's getting more suspicious about me every day. Look at these steel trap jaws in my leg. If been anyone else, it would have cut right through the bone. <laughs> Listen to me, using Kent's high voice even when I'm alone. Gotten so used to it. There, yeah, that's better. Now to get the trap off my leg... Ooh, that spring is certainly strong. There, that does it. Now, snap it shut. Mm. Chances are this isn't the only trap along the trail. We'll have to watch out for Jimmy. If he steps into one of them, it'll be just too bad. Uh-oh, here he comes. Back to Clark Kent. Here's the plow, Mr. Kent. Here. Oh, your leg's free. Yes, the trap was rusty, and when it snapped shut, it broke. Well, are you hurt? Oh, not a bit. What? But those steel jaws, didn't they cut into your leg? No, I guess these leather boots saved me. Put the file in your pocket, Jim. Did uh, Baptiste ask you what you wanted it for? Hell, yeah, but you said not to tell him. Good boy. All right, we can go on now, but we've got to be careful. This may not be the only trap set on the trail. You stay back a little way. That's right. I'll poke along with this branch. Mr. Ken. Yeah? Do you think those traps were set for animals or, or for us? Well, I'm wondering, Jimmy. Whoop, hold up. Another spot where the snow's been disturbed. I'll dig around with a stick. It may be another... Oh, it is. Did you see those steel jaws come together? Mm. Well, that's number two. No telling how many is strewn along here. 
certainly weren't intended for animals. They're too close together. All right, come on. All right. Those two fake game wardens set the trap. They certainly must have something to hide. Well, no doubt about it now. Don't you worry. We'll catch up with them and get to the bottom of this. Uh, hold up, Jim. Another one? I think so. I might poke around with a stick. Now, I guess this is a false alarm. Maybe they only set two. Well, the trail's getting wider here. Can I walk alongside you? No, you better stay behind, Jimmy. Let's not take any chances. Okay. Say, wait a minute, Mr. Kent. Huh? What's that over there in the woods? Where? Look. To our right. See it? Is it an animal? No, I don't think so. Jimmy, do you know what it is? What? The package that was dropped from the plane. Come on, let's have a look at it. Be careful you don't tumble any snowdrifts. Here, take my hand. Do you really think it's a package? I'm sure it is. Ah, here we are. All wrapped in heavy burlap. You've got a scout knife with you, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Uh, here. Thanks. Let me just cut the stitching and see what... Jimmy! Jumping catfish. Furs. Northern mink skin. Must be a thousand of them in this bundle, maybe more. Why would an airplane be dropping furs? Well, the animals were probably trapped in Canada. And they bring them across the border this way to avoid paying the customs charges. And those two men who said they were game wardens are really fur smugglers. That's about it. Gosh, I've heard of diamond smugglers and gold smugglers, but this is the first time I ever heard of fur smugglers. These mink skins must be worth three or four thousand dollars. And if the duty on them is high, it pays our phony game warden friends to get them in this way. Oh. What are we going to do with the bundle now that we've found it? Take it back to the clearing. You can't carry it alone, Mr. Kent. It's huh? too heavy. Oh, well, we'll drag it. Grab hold. Okay. That's it. It'll go easier once we get it on the trail where the snow is packed down. Up with it now. There we are. There. Now I can just pull it away. But even as Kent and Jimmy drag the cumbersome bundle of precious mink skins toward the clearing, Bull, the leader of the smuggling gang, is watching them from the window of his shack through high-powered glasses. They found the shipment, Chuck. They're taking it back with them. Oh, none of the bear traps worked then? No. I missed them, I guess. But we ain't through. Say, uh, I'm for scramming out of here, Bill. And leave them with the evidence. Don't be stupid. What chance would we ever have of bringing another skin in? None at all. This would be the end of a sweet little business. Well, there ain't nothing you can do about it. They got the furs. They won't have them long. No shooting. I don't want no shooting. Cut it out. There won't be no shooting. Oh. What you gonna do? I'm gonna give you a chance to pull your crybaby act. What do you mean? You're gonna give yourself up. Oh, no. No, Bill, they'll throw me in the can. Now, listen to me. They won't get a chance to throw you in any can. You give yourself up. Thank God like you and me had a fight and you're squealing. Huh? See? And what? And you tell the big guy you take him to where I am. Yeah? You'll bring him to this shack. But watch out for those traps. Yeah. When I bring him, they'll be shooting. No, no, they won't. I won't even be here. Sure. You're going to let me take the rap. You're dumber than I thought you were. Hmm? Nobody's going to take any rap. I won't be here because I'll be getting the kid and that Canuck driver. Oh. Oh, uh, uh, why? Because once I got them, I can talk turkey to the big guy, see? Yeah. 
Yeah, I see. All right, get going. Remember, bring the big guy back here. Alone. Suppose you don't want to come. He'll come. I'll let you clear of him after I bring him here. I'll take care of that. Go ahead. I hope this works out, Bo. If it doesn't work out, you won't have to be afraid of shooting anymore. Will Clark Kent fall for the trick separating him from Jimmy and Batiste? Or will he realize the first smugglers have something up their sleeves? There's excitement in the next episode, so don't miss it. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Behold my precious. Ooh, yeah, we do something right here, uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot. On surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. Ha <laughs> ha! From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box! Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as low as $11.99 per month, those are facts just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look, up in the sky! It's a bird, it's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! Strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings with a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. As you remember, Clark Kent and Jimmy Olsen, traveling by dog sled through the North Woods, and planning to cross the border into Canada, stumble into a mysterious adventure their first night out. Two hard-bitten men, known to us only as Bull and Chuck, have been engaged in the smuggling of valuable mink furs from Canada to the United States, making use of an airplane to drop large bundles of the skins near their shack in the woods. But Kent and Jimmy soon found out what was brewing and decided to investigate. They found one of the bundles that had been dropped from the plane the night before and dragged it back to their camp in a clearing. Bull, the leader of the smuggling gang, aware that Kent has the furs and suspecting him of being a government agent, plans to strike back. So Chuck, his henchman, has started for the clearing where Kent, Jimmy, and their guide Batiste have camped. Chuck has orders to pretend to give himself up, lead Kent back to the shack, and in that way give Bull a chance to get Jimmy and Batiste while they're alone. At the moment, Kent has no knowledge of this scheme. He and Jimmy and their French-Canadian guide are grouped around the bundle of furs admiring them. Listen. How much did you say they were worth, Betty? The price of skin like this, Amorphis, they are way up. 
time I need eat. I know, but how much are they worth? $100, oh, $500? Don't be silly, <laughs> Jimmy. These skins would bring $5,000 in the American market. It doesn't go there. Uh, maybe more. Mm, to say what's in this bundle is worth $5,000? Oh, Captain Moore. Look at this skin. She's beautiful. So soft, so dark. Never have I seen such things. Never. Gosh, Mr. Kent, maybe we better go into the mink hunting business. $5,000. Wow, <laughs> You think it is so easy to trap the mink, Wolfie? You think he come to you like puppy dog? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. He's very clever, the mink. He's hard to catch. Mm, hard and vicious, Jimmy. A mink can bite a man's finger off. Really? Oh, we, we, we. See, they belong to the rodent family. You know, rats and weasels. What? Sure. They're very timid, but once they're cornered, they fight like wildcats. Well, then maybe we better not go into the mink catching business. <laughs> if I'm going to be a newspaper reporter someday, I need all my fingers. Right you are, Jimmy. Well, now that we've got $5,000 worth of mink skins, what are we going to do with them? Say, couldn't we keep some for a fur coat for Miss Lane? Oh, that's a nice thought, Jimmy. But you see, they don't belong to us. Now, I think the best thing to do is... What's the matter, Mr. Kent? What are you staring at? There's a man coming along that trail through the woods in this direction. Don't move. I see him. One of the fake game wardens. Mr. Kibler, I get my rifle. Here we are, but he's, he's not armed. What do you think he wants, Mr. Kent? I don't know, but we'll find out soon enough. Here he comes. Don't shoot, mister. I want to talk to you. He's got his hands above his head. All right, come on. Okay. This is... Looks kind of funny to be coming here, but... i got a reason. A good reason. What's the reason? I had enough of this business. I'm through. Enough of what business? Helping that guy smuggle them mink skins in. I don't like it. Oh? What made you suddenly decide you didn't like it? Well, because he wanted me to help him bump you off. That's why. I never heard a guy in my life, Mr. I ain't starting now. He wants to finish you, but I don't want no blood on my hands. Not me. So you're giving yourself up? Yeah, that's it. Huh? Where is your boss? Back at the shack. Listen, he's seen how you found them skins. Oh, he knows we have them, eh? Yeah, and he wants them bad. Bad enough to take a chance on a murder rap to get them. Not me. No, sir. What's your name? Chuck. Chuck Connor. And your boss? Will Raglan. He's plenty tough, mister. He's got ice water in his veins, and he hates government men. That's why he's out to get you. Government men? Why? Oh, so he knows I'm a government agent, eh? Yeah, he knows. Well, Chuck, I think you were wise to quit when you did. Now you can do something for me. Sure. Anything. You can lead me to that shack in the woods. Oh, gosh, Mr. Kent, don't do that. You heard what he said. His boss will shoot now, you. Don't you worry, Jimmy. He won't get a chance. You and Betsy stay right here and wait for me. Chuck can show me where the shack is, and I'll take care of the rest. Well, I wish you wouldn't do it, Mr. Kent. Why can't we go back to Montville and get some cops and bring them here? <laughs> some cops? <laughs> where do you think you are, on Main Street in Metropolis? There aren't any cops in Montville. Oh, what about forest rangers or sheriffs or something? Now, don't you worry, Jimmy. I'll be perfectly all right. Now, guarantee to bring Mr. Bull back here with his horns chopped off. Let's go, Chuck. Hey, monsieur, why you do not take the rifle? I won't need it, Betty. Just get this side. I'll be back soon. Ah, uh, this I do not like. I wish he wouldn't take chances like that. Someday he'll be sorry. That is very bad, very bad. Why does he not ask Baptiste to go with him, huh? The with the rifle, Baptiste can shoot the wings off the fly. In all the North Country, there is not one man who can shoot rifle like Baptiste, no. Boom, boom, and this bull he is finished. Maybe you better take the rifle, Baptiste, and follow Mr. Kent. No, no, no. Let's sure he give the order. Baptiste, he's paid to follow the order. Oh, gosh, I'm worried stiff. 
What if Bull sees him coming and, and just shoots him without warning? It is very bad. Well, I'm going after Mr. Kent. I won't let him. Where you are, Kent. Oh, who said that? Who? Look, in the back of us. Don't move. Either of you. I got a very nervous finger on the trigger of this rifle. The other one? It's Bull. Oh, so you know my name. That makes it nice and cozy. I'll pinch another Canuck or I'll drill you full of holes. Uh, you're very brave with rifle. Put down the rifle, Bertie, show you. We'll try that some other time. Right now, I got business to take care of. It's your dogs to the sled. Uh, I do not take the order from You'll you. You'll take this order. It's him up. Go ahead, Batiste. You better do what he says. Wait a minute. Let me get that gun out of the sled. Okay, now hit him up and make it fast. Take a blow for two cents, please, but keep What are you after, mister? You'll find out, kid. Well, you can have the furs if that's what you want. Thanks. That's very generous of you. Anybody ever tell you you got a heart of gold? Come on, Canuck, stop stalling. When you, you move All right, through. kid, get into the sled. Why? Never mind why, get in. Are you, Canuck, put that bundle of skins in the sled. Yeah, you heard me. Put him in the sled. I no more promise you. Oh, I see. All of a sudden, you don't understand English. Maybe a little dose of lead will teach you the language. Baptiste, put the furs in. He'll shoot you. You got the right idea, kid. Well, what'll it be? That's better. Dump him in the sled. Okay. Now, both of you get in. You drive, Canuck. I'll walk beside you. And remember, keep them dogs moving slow or I'll empty this rifle into your back. Where are we going? To a nice, quiet spot where you can sit and think it over. All right, turn the sled around. Come on, quit stalling. Okay, now straight ahead. Turn right when you reach that clump of spruce. And don't forget, I got my finger on the trigger. Rendered helpless by the loaded rifle in the hands of the first smuggler, Jimmy and Batiste can do nothing but obey their captor's orders. Walking beside the slow-moving sled, his steel-gray eyes glittering like polished beads, Bull finally calls a halt before the arch entrance to a cave, half hidden under a ledge of rock. All right, pull up here. Get out. You better not try anything with us, mister. Shut up. A kid your size, you got too much to say. I'm not a kid. I'm going to be... I don't care what you're going to be. Come here, Canuck. Turn around. What for you wish, Batiste, to turn around? Never mind what for. Turn around. Okay, now put your hands behind you. I said put your hands behind you. That's better. Now a couple of turns of this rope around your wrist. Good knot. And you're taken care of. Okay, kid, you're next. You'll be sorry for this. You wait till Clark... Turn around. Hands behind your back. Won't need much rope for your skinny wrist. Yeah, that does it. Now, both of you into the cave. Did you hear what I said? Into the cave. Uh, Come on, Batiste. That's far enough. Get down on the floor. On your back. That's what I like. No argument. You first, Canuck. A little rope around your ankle. A couple of knots. And you're fixed up. Now, the same for you, kid. There you are. All set for a nice, comfortable rest. Don't waste any time trying to get loose. When Bull Raglan ties a knot, it stays tied. How long are you going to keep us here? Until that wise guy friend of yours, the government man, talks turkey. 
And maybe that'll be never. So long. Take it easy and you'll last longer. He, he took the sled. Yeah. Uh, I will kill him for take my dog. Oh, don't strain yourself, Batiste. You can't get loose. Uh, why you let him do this, Monty? Why you do not allow Batiste to punch him in the nose? It's because he had a gun. He used it without thinking twice. Oh, but don't you worry. When Clark Kent finds out about this, he'll do plenty of punishment. Hey, wait. Monsieur Kent will not know where we are. I do not like this place. Very bad. What do you mean? Uh, you hear this, Monty? That is why I say this place very bad. What is it? Bear. Bear? You mean a real live bear? Hey, wait. They are up for winter in place like this. You're coming closer, Batiste. What do we do? Batiste tried to get loose. The hell, you can't do it. Batiste, I can see his eyes shining in the dark. What do we do? What will Jimmy and Batiste do in the face of this sudden, unexpected danger? Bound hand and foot, they can only wait fearfully as the bear, angered by their presence in the cave, lumbers toward them in the darkness. The situation is tense. With Clark Kent miles away and unaware of what is happening, it looks bad for Jimmy and Batiste. Something is bound to happen, so be sure and listen to the next episode of Superman. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature... Superman! Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! Strange visitor from the planet Krypton who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, raise a speeding bullet to its target, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. When we last saw Clark Kent, he had left Jimmy Olsen and Batiste, their French-Canadian guide, in the forest clearing, while he and Chuck, one of the first smuggling gang who had given himself up, returned to the gang shack deep in the snow-covered woods. Unknown to Kent, Chuck was only carrying out a clever plan devised by Bull Raglan, leader of the smuggling gang. A plan to get Kent away from Jimmy and Pete. The minute Kent disappeared into the forest, Bull entered the clearing, held Jimmy and Batiste at gunpoint, forced them to drive the dog sled to a spot some miles away, tied them hand and foot, and dumped them into a dark cave. Helpless, they lay there, wondering whether they would ever be released. And then suddenly, the low, ominous growl of an animal echoed through the cave, the angry protest of a full-grown bear. Terrified, Jimmy stared into the darkness, as the huge beast came closer and closer. Meanwhile, Clark Kent, unaware that his friends are in peril, has found the shack empty with no sign of bull. Listen. I thought you told me your boss was here. Where is he? Why, I don't know, mister. He was here when I left. Where did you tell him you were going? Oh, uh, look at them furs Frenchy dropped last night. Frenchy? Who's Frenchy? 
Well, uh, he's the guy that pilots the plane. Oh. How often does he fly over and drop bundles of skin? Oh, maybe once a week. So you've got your smuggling racket pretty well organized, haven't you? How should I know? I, I just work for the guy. He don't tell me nothing. Wait a minute. What is this, Chuck? A few minutes ago, when you came into the clearing waving a white flag, you were ready to talk about anything and everything. Your boss, the smuggling racket, and how you didn't want any blood on your hands. Now you've shut up like a clam. What's the idea? All right. You've got nothing to talk about, that's all. Now listen. Don't try and pull anything on me. Oh, I... I ain't trying to pull nothing. Honest, mister. I wonder. You said Bull was here at the shack, and he isn't. I tell you, I left him here. Why do you keep looking around as though you were expecting someone? Oh, me? Yes. Your eyes shift to the window every couple of seconds. Now, look, Chuck, you'd better come clean or there'll be trouble. Oh, no, you... You got me wrong, mister. I... I told you all I know. I... I told you I'm quitting the racket. What more do you want? I want the truth. Oh, you got it. Maybe. Is that all you've been smuggling? Furs? Well, uh, that's all I know about. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess the only thing to do is sit and wait for your boss to return. Well, you better watch out. He's got a rifle and he ain't afraid to use it. <laughs> I'm not afraid of rifles, Chuck. You know how water rolls off a duck's back. Yeah? Well, that's how rifle bullets bounce off me. Well, that ain't nothing to joke about. I don't like shooting. You don't have to worry about any shooting. <laughs> Right, mister. I'll do all the worrying. Oh. Don't move. Close the door, Chuck. Well, I take it you're bull. That's what they call me, brother. Nice work, Chuck. Fell for it like a ton of bricks, didn't he? What did I fall for? Chuck's crybaby act. Figured he was double-crossing me, didn't you? Nobody double-crosses bull raglan. I see. All right, I fell for it. Now what? Now we're going to talk business, you and me. I'm afraid your method of doing business isn't mine. I think we can get together. Sit down. I prefer standing, if you don't mind. That's me. Hey, Chuck, take the rifle. Keep it on him. If he tries anything, let him have it. What? I told you I don't like shooting bulls. You heard what I said. Take the rifle. Okay. Now, mister, here's the story. You stuck your big nose into my business, and I don't like it, see? That's too bad. You bet it's too bad. Too bad for you and your pal. Stop beating around the bush. What do you want? I got what I want. My mixed skin and your pal. And my... What are you talking about? I kind of figured you'd wake up sooner or later. That kid and your Canuck driver, I got them safely stowed away. If you laid a hand on either of them... Be back. Watch him, Chuck. Now I understand why you sent your sniveling henchman to bring me here. So you could get a Jimmy and Baptiste. You government guys sure are smart. I ought to give you a gold star. Now look, my crooked friend, I'm warning you. All the rifles in the world won't stop me once I decide to handle you the way I think you should be handled. Where are Jimmy and Baptiste? That's my business. Keep him covered, Chuck. Keeping me covered won't do you a bit of good. Stand back. Stand back, I tell you. Give it to him, Chuck. Ah, moved too fast for you, didn't I, Chuck? I'll take that rifle if you don't mind. You don't like shooting anyway. Ah, we'll toss it out the window just so you won't be tempted again. Close ah. in on him, Chuck. Use your knife. Come on, close in on me. Use anything you wish. Well, what are you waiting for? Touch him, Chuck. Yeah. That's just a little sample, bull. Here, try this on the point of your jaw. Ah. Ah, it's your turn now, Chuck. Oh, yeah? 
Look out for that knife. You're liable to cut yourself. Let's get rid of it, huh? You're breaking my arm. Drop the knife. Drop it, I said. That's better. I give up. Don't hit me. You gave up once before and it wasn't on the level. Who made me do that? I didn't want to. All right. I'll give you one more chance. Get some water and bring him to. Okay. Oh, I forgot myself for a minute there and used my natural voice. I hope neither of them caught it. Here's some water. Pour it over his face. Yeah. And you, you come close to knocking his head off. I've never seen anybody hit so hard. Uh, uh, yeah, he's coming too. Let's sit him up on the chair. Uh, That's it. Uh, what hit me? I did. And it was only a small part of what you're going to get unless you tell me what you've done with Jimmy and Baptiste. You better tell them both. Not a chance. Oh, no? All right, get up on your feet. Well, he'll murder you. This time you won't regain consciousness so fast. Wait, I'll tell you. Talk fast. I lied to you. The kid and the cannock driver got away from me in the dog sled. I tried to stop them, but my rifle jammed. Which way did they go? Looked like they were heading back to town. Is that the truth? Yeah, it's the truth. Is he lying, Chuck? I know, mister. Why, you dirty little... There we are. It won't take long to find out whether or not you're lying. Both of you are coming back to the clearing with me. If Jimmy and Baptiste did get away in the sled, there'll be marks in the snow. I'm not going no place. That's what you think. Stand up. Stand up, I said. All right, I'll lift you up. Open the door, Chuck. All right, now march, both of you. And don't try to get away. You'll regret it if you do. Go ahead. Now, leave that rifle just where it is, Bull, in the snow. You lead the way, Chuck. Don't forget, I'm watching every move you make. So don't make any wrong ones. Unaware that Jimmy and Batiste did not escape, but are at this very moment tied hand and foot in a dark cave some miles from the clearing, Kent follows the two smugglers as they move slowly along the narrow forest trail. Instinctively, he suspects something is wrong, but even the amazing powers of Superman cannot warn him that Jimmy and Batiste, helpless in the cave, are in danger of being attacked by an angry bear. Huddled in the darkness, they wait. The huge animal lumbers toward them, growling ferociously. Batiste, I can see his eyes shining in the dark. He comes closer. Try not to move. Batiste, what are we going to do? I do not know, Mopti. If only one of us could get loose, we might frighten him off by throwing rocks or something. Uh, He is big one. We do not frighten him, we talk. I can hear him breathing. Batiste, he's almost on top of us. Why can't we yell at him? No, 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 no. I'm going to try Oh! Do not do this again. Can we do? Batista must be something. I can't believe it. We hope that he's so tight. Batista, look out. He's on top. Fighting courageously against overwhelming odds, Batiste makes a valiant but hopeless attempt to do battle with the giant grizzly. Meanwhile, Clark Kent has reached the clearing found the tracks, the departed dog sled, and is following them, accompanied by the two first smugglers, Bull and Chuck. Less than half a mile from the cave where Jimmy and Batiste are in peril, Bull suddenly stops short. That's as far as I'm going. I told you they headed for town. You've told me a lot of things, none of which I put any stock in. Keep walking. Nothing doing. I'm stopping right here. There must be something you don't like up ahead. What is it? The only thing I don't like is hiking through the snow. Huh. Well, whether you like it or not, you... Wait a minute. Well, I heard someone shouting for help. I don't hear nothing. 
Maybe Why, it's... Chuck? Yeah, someone is shouting for help. You're crazy. It's the wind. We'll see how crazy I am. Get going. Not me. I said get going. Nothing doing. I'm warning you, Bull. Yeah? Yes. Yeah. <coughs> you knocked him cold. That's right. Now, how about you? I'll do anything you say. Good. All right, I'll carry him. Yeah. Now, come on. On the run. Yeah. Never seen a guy as strong as you, mister. Bull must weigh a good 200 pounds and you're carrying him like he's a feather. Running, besides... Here, let me give you a hand. Oh, I'm all right. He's not so heavy. You ain't sure you heard someone yelling for help, are you? That's what it sounded like. Yeah, wait, hold up. Listen. You hear that? Yeah, I hear it. It's coming from that cave. It's Jimmy. Chuck, this is your chance to make up for everything you've done. Now, you stay here with him while I go into the cave to see what's wrong. I don't think he'll come to so fast this time. But if he does... Don't you let him get away, even if you have to knock him out again. Okay. And don't cross me up. If you value your life. I won't. I swear I won't. I'll be back. Answering Jimmy's cry for help, Kent sprints toward the cave, unaware of what is going on in the darkness beyond the entrance. Unaware that within a moment he will be called upon as Superman to do battle with a full-grown bear. Is he too late to save Batiste from the savage fury of the huge animal? Listen to the next episode for Thrills Galore. Don't forget... Tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting transcription feature, Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird, it's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. Strange visitor from the planet Krypton who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings of a single pound, race a speeding bullet to its target, then steal in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. When Bull Raglan, leader of a Northwoods fur smuggling gang, left Jimmy Olsen and Batiste bound hand and foot in a dark cave, his plan was to keep them hidden until he could bargain with Clark Kent, who he thought was a government agent. But unknown, even to Bull, the cave was occupied by a full-grown bear hibernating for the winter. Disturbed and angered, the bear attacked Jimmy and Batiste. Meanwhile, Kent, having captured Bull and his assistant Chuck, forced them to go along with him while he followed Batiste's dog sled tracks out of the clearing where the French-Canadian guide had camped. As they neared the cave, Kent heard Jimmy's voice calling for help. Compelled to knock Bull out, Kent left him with Chuck, who had sworn he was going straight, and headed for the cave. As he neared the entrance, he could hear the wild growling of the bear. Help! Help! I'm coming, Jimmy! Good thing it's pitch dark in there. And if you can, the bear's coming at me! Jimmy! It's fainted. Now I can handle this as Superman. All right, come on, Grizzly. Come on, help me. Come on, that's it. Still up on your feet, eh? Oh, you don't like boxing, do you? Well, wrestle, eh? Get me in a bear hug. Okay, come on. There. Now, if you can squeeze the harness. 
I guess that finishes you. Now, let's see. Uh, Jimmy seems all right outside of a few scratches. Oh, but poor Batiste is badly mauled. Got to get them both back to town as soon as possible. Maybe a matter of life or death for Batiste. That means I'll have to leave Bull and Chuck behind and send someone back for them. Taking a chance, but it can't be helped. All I hope is that Chuck doesn't see me leave the cave as Superman. Well, no time to waste. One under each arm. Out to the entrance. that bad, Jimmy. Oh, no. You try putting iodine on open scratches. Isn't that enough, Father Malone? I, I think it is, Jimmy. You're a very lucky boy. Lucky? I call this luck. I never want to have any more of it. Well, you were lucky that bear didn't swipe you across the face instead of the arm. And doubly lucky that Mr. Kent arrived when he did. Oh, by the way, how's Batiste? Well, we won't know for a day or so. He was badly torn up. But if the wounds don't infect, he'll pull through all right. Well, I must say I hardly expected to see you back here so soon, but I'm glad it turned out as well as it did. What happened to the two first smugglers? The customs men picked them up. Chuck had kept his promise to see that Bull Raglan didn't escape, so they let him go. Father Malone's trying to get him a logging camp job. And what about Bull? I suppose he'll go to jail. Well, he should for what he did to Batiste and me. Gosh, Mr. Kent, I wouldn't be here now if you hadn't killed that bear. I still don't see how you did it. Well, I told you I had a knife, Jimmy. Yeah. What puzzles me, Kent, is how you managed to get both Jimmy and Batiste back to Montville without a sled. Well, it was a long hike, I admit. You mean to say you carried both of them ten miles? Well, Father, Jimmy doesn't weigh any more than a puff of smoke, and Batiste is light. It's amazing, Kent. I don't think Paul Bunyan could have done much better. Oh, who's Paul Bunyan? Oh, don't you know, Jimmy? No, Father, I don't. Is he a friend of yours? <laughs> Jimmy, I'm surprised at you. Haven't you ever heard of Paul Bunyan? No. Why, he was the most famous logger ever to fell timber in the Northwood, Jimmy. And the strongest, too. But they claim he could cut down 400 trees with one swing of his axe. Oh, I don't believe it. No man could do that. Well, Paul Bunyan was no ordinary man. They say he owned a saw that was a half a mile long and that 200 men used to ride on it while he cut down a stand of timber. Are you trying to kid me, Father Malone? No, Father's not kidding, Jimmy. Any Northwoods logger can tell you stories about Paul Bunyan. Didn't he own a huge ox, Father? Oh, that he did, Kent. A big blue ox he called Bay. That's the one. It was the strongest ox in the world. And Paul used to feed it 3,000 tons of hay every morning and 5,000 tons of oats at night. Oh, where did he get all the hay and oats? I suppose Paul owned a 50,000-acre farm and grew it. 50,000 acres? Paul Bunyan's farm stretched from the northern tip of Minnesota to the southern tip of Michigan. And there was a road running through it that twisted and turned like a corkscrew. So one day, Paul hitched his big blue ox to the Michigan end of the road. And in ten minutes, Jimmy, that ox pulled the road out straight as a die. And it never had any more curves in it. Gosh. Talk about Batiste and his tall stories. Well, yours take the cake, Father Malone. Oh, please. These aren't my stories, Jimmy. They belong to the logging camps. They're a part of America... Just like the stories of Hercules were a part of Greece. Oh, then they aren't true. Paul Bunyan never existed. As much as a legend ever exists, Jimmy. Oh, I see. When we get back to Metropolis, Jimmy, I'll buy you a book of Paul Bunyan's stories. Oh, that'll be swell. Say, when are we going back, Mr. Kent? Hmm? I suppose now that Batiste won't be up and around for a while, 
Our dog sled trip to Canada is over almost before it began. I could get you another guide, Kent. Not as good as Batiste, but dependable. No, Father. I think Jimmy and I might just as well go on home. We both had enough excitement to last us a long time. We'll come up next year for our dog sled trip. Well, don't forget. As a matter of fact, if you let me know in advance, I might be able to arrange to go along with you. Oh, gosh, I hope you can, Father. Are you taking tonight's train, Kent? Yes, Father. That reminds me, Jimmy, you've got to get your clothes packed. We have less than an hour before the train leaves. Well, what time is it now? The clock is just about to strike seven. Okay, I'll be ready in ten minutes. Jimmy, hardly seems possible that last night we were up in the North Woods and tonight we're rolling across wheat fields. Jimmy. Huh? Oh, yes. Yes, what? Oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't listening. Hmm. I was watching that man across the aisle. Look how his eyes shift, Mr. Kent. Almost like he thought he was being shadowed. Don't be silly, Jimmy. Here, take this newspaper. Read the funnies and do the crossword puzzle. Okay. Gosh, Mr. Kent. Oh, now what? Look at this picture on the front page of the paper. And then look at that man across the aisle. Huh? Well, there seems to be a slight resemblance. Slight? What? The same person. The bald spot in front and the gray hair in back and the bushy eyebrows. Shh. Want everyone in the car to know you're talking about him? Wait a minute. Let me see that paper. Why is this picture there, Mr. Ken? I didn't get a chance to read the caption. Just a minute, Jimmy. Wait, Scott. I believe we stumbled on something sensational. Who is he? Well, if it's the same man, and I think it is, his name is Dr. Robley. He's the inventor of a new device having to do with communications. Listen to this, Jimmy. Dr. Robling's device, although the nature of it has not yet been revealed, is said to be so valuable that the one model in existence is insured for $10 million. $10 million? Uh-huh. What do you think the device is, Mr. Ken? I haven't the faintest idea, Jimmy. But if that's Dr. Robling sitting across from us, he's going to be interviewed by a Daily Planet reporter. Oh, I was right. I knew there was something strange about him. Well, you certainly hit the nail on the head that time. Well, here goes for an attempted interview. I hope you get it, Mr. Ken. I'll just cross the aisle and drop into the seat next to him. Wish me luck. Okay. Good evening, Dr. Robling. Eh? Oh, I beg your pardon. I said good evening, Dr. Robling. You must be mistaken. My name is Harris. Oh, yes, yes, I, I understand. I'm Clark Kent, Doctor, reporter for the Daily Planet. I happen to be glancing over this paper... And uh, noticed your picture. That young man is not my picture. I told you my name is Harris. It's, it's Walter Harris. Well, names don't mean anything, really. The important thing is your contribution to the field of communications. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, according to this story in the paper, you've just... How many times must I tell you that I have no connection with either the story or the photograph in that newspaper? Haven't you invented a new communications device? No, I haven't. Didn't you insure the model of the device for $10 million? Young man, if you have nothing better to do than annoy total strangers, may I suggest that you devote your unwelcome attention to others? Now, come, doctor. That's not the proper attitude. Well, unless you cease annoying me, I at once I shall be forced to call the conductor. All right. That's how you feel about it. That is exactly how I feel about it. Okay. Sorry I bothered you. I heard what he said, Mr. Kent. 
Do you think he's telling the truth? I'm not quite sure, Jimmy. He's the spitting image of this picture in the paper. Oh, maybe there'd be some initials on his luggage. Well, he doesn't seem to have any luggage. Could be that we're wrong. Oh, gosh, I don't think so. The picture and the way his eyes keep shifting. Look, he's getting up. Mm, probably going into the dining car. Maybe we ought to follow him. No, I don't think so. He'll be back. Well, at least we can stop whispering. Gosh, that sure was exciting for a minute. Jimmy. Yeah? You see that crumpled up piece of paper he left on the seat? Uh-huh. Maybe something that'll tell us whether he is Dr. Roebling. Want me to get it? No, you sit tight. I'll walk up to the water cooler at the end of the car and pick it up on my way back. Okay. I'll keep my eye on it. I'll be right back. Gosh, I sure hope there's a clue on that piece of paper. A real exciting clue. What's Mr. Kent wasting time at the water cooler for? Why doesn't he hurry back? Here he comes. I can hardly wait. Okay. What's on the paper? Wait a minute, Jimmy. Now wait till I read it. What does it say? Something very peculiar. What? It says, This is your last warning. Well, it looks as though Clark Kent and Jimmy Olsen have accidentally stumbled on something that may turn out to be another exciting adventure. Is the nervous, gray-haired little man really Dr. Roebling? And if he is, who sent him the threatening note? Listen to the next episode for further developments. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman! Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, send steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, 
mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. Returning by train from a short but adventurous vacation in the North Woods, Clark Kent and Jimmy Olsen seem to have stumbled on something that smacks of mystery. To begin with, Jimmy became fascinated by the nervous, shifty-eyed behavior of a little gray-haired man seated across the aisle. And when Kent bought an afternoon paper and found the man's picture on the front page, Jimmy's imagination knew no bounds. According to the news story accompanying the picture, the man was Dr. Roebling, inventor of a new and startling communications device. However, when Kent attempted to interview him, he denied his name was Dr. Roebling and hurried into the dining car, leaving behind a piece of crumpled paper bearing a strange message. As the fast express roars into the night, both Jimmy and Kent have their heads bent low over the scrap of paper. What does it say, Mr. Kent? It says, this is your last warning. What can that possibly mean? Last warning about what? I don't know, Jimmy. Whoever wrote it certainly wasted no words. This is your last warning. Might mean anything. There's absolutely no way to figure it out. Maybe we ought to turn it over to the conductor and have him notify the police at the next stop. If our friend Roebling or Harris or whatever his name is wanted police protection, he would have asked for it a long time ago. Evidently, receiving this note didn't bother him much. Oh, I don't know about that. You remember I told you he looked like a man who was being shadowed? His eyes kept shifting and sort of sat hunched up in the seat like he wanted to make himself small. I think you're imagining most of that, Jimmy. Oh, no, I'm not. That's how I happened to notice him. He kept looking over his shoulder and watching everybody who came through the car. He's a suspicious character, all right, believe me. Jimmy, you've been reading too many detective stories. What do you mean, suspicious character? Poor old man is probably just trying to dodge curiosity seekers. That is, if he's really Dr. Roebling. Oh, of course he is, Mr. Kent. Look at that picture in the paper. Look at it. Same bald spot on the front of his head. Same gray hair and back and the same thin nose. It can't be anybody else. All right, you make it sound very convincing, Jimmy. Let's go into the dining car, huh, Mr. Kent? Don't tell me you're hungry this early. Oh, I get it. You want to stick close to our mysterious friend. Well, it's partly that. (laughs) All right. Please remember to keep your voice down. We don't want everyone on the train to know that we're snooping into Dr. Roebling's business. Okay. I'll talk in whispers. Can we go now? I think so. Jimmy, you haven't touched your chicken. Oh. Oh, yeah. I'll eat it. Do you know that you've been staring at him constantly for the last five minutes? I'm sorry. You better play detective. Don't make it so obvious. I wasn't looking at him. I was watching the lady who sat down at his table. She's been talking to him. Well, make that sound like a crime. What if she is talking to him? Is that against the law? No. But it might be a clue to something. Ah, oh, you know, I'm beginning to feel sorry we ever discovered that picture in the paper. From now on, your every waking moment is going to be concerned with clues and suspicious characters and heaven knows what else. Oh, you're just making fun of me. But you wait and see. Something's going to happen. What was that? Dr. Roebling keeled over. You stay here, Jimmy. All right, miss. Don't get excited. I'll sit you back on the chair. Now let me have that glass of water. No. No, don't give him any water, please. What? He's... No, he's my father. This this happens quite often, really. He suffers from vertigo, fainting spells. Oh, I'm sorry. If you could call the conductor, I'd appreciate it. He'd be much better off in the drawing room. He has some medicine there. Well, I'll be glad to help your father to the drawing room, Miss Roebling. 
There. You just lead the way. I'll carry him. Thank you so much. I beg your pardon, sir. Do you mind? Just stretch him out on the lower berth. There you are. I don't know how to thank you for your kindness, Mr. Uh... Uh, Kent. Clark Kent. If there's anything else I can do before I leave... Oh, no. Uh, no, thank you. I'll give Dad some of his medicine and he'll be all right. I'm sorry we caused a disturbance in the dining car. Oh, it was nothing. Well, good night, Miss Roving. Uh, Mr. Kent. Before you go... Yes? I'm curious about something. How did you know my name? Well, that's easy to explain. I knew your father was Dr. Roebling. You'd met him before? No, no, but he was seated opposite me in the club car, and I happened to notice his picture in the afternoon paper. Oh, I see. That explains it, of course. Well, good night again. Good night, Mr. Kent. Thank you. Hello. Well, still not finished with your meal, Jimmy? What's vertigo, Mr. Kent? Huh? Why, it's a, a form of dizziness that sometimes results in fainting spells. What does it come from? I don't know, Jimmy. Well, I was right, wasn't I, Mr. Kent? He really is Dr. Robo. And you were making fun of me. I apologize. Well, that's all right. And that lady's his daughter, huh? That young lady, Jimmy. She's very charming. Gosh, Mr. Kent, you're not falling for her, are you? Finish your ice cream and stop asking silly questions. I don't suppose you mentioned that warning message to her, did you? Of course not. Are you going to? Well, I may if I see her in the morning. You all finished? Uh Uh-huh. What about your milk? Oh, I'm too full. Finish that milk. You begin losing weight on these jaunts around the country, we'll just have to cut them out. All right, I'll finish it. Waiter. Yes? Check, please. Yes, I got it right here. Uh, 320. All right, here you are. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Okay, I'm finished. Where are we going now? Back to the club car for an hour or so and then to bed. We can both use some sleep. Come on. Why don't you read, Jimmy? How about this hunting and fishing magazine? No, I don't want to read. I'm thinking. What are you thinking about? Oh, a lot of things. That newspaper story said Dr. Roebling had invented a communications device, didn't it? Yes. I wonder what a communications device could be. Well, there are just so many methods of communication. Telephone, radio, telegraph. That's about all except for the signaling methods, flags, and smoke pots. Well, do you think Dr. Roebling's device has something to do with sending messages? Possibly. Well, must be something. He won't even talk about it and tries to pass himself off as someone else. Well, I don't blame him a bit. Undoubtedly, his invention has great military value. I wouldn't be at all surprised if the government has taken it over. A new secret method of communicating over long distances would be a boom to any nation at war. It would eliminate the necessity of having to use code. Train's slowing down. Coming into a station, I guess. Yep. You didn't find out whether Dr. Roebling and his daughter were going to Metropolis, did you, Mr. Kent? No, Jimmy. No, my bump of curiosity isn't as large as yours. I don't ask people personal questions five minutes after meeting them. Mr. Kent. Yes? Could I see that warning message Dr. Roebling dropped? Hmm, if I can find it. Yes, here it is. Oh, thanks. This is your last warning. That's funny. What's funny about it? Well, in the first place, it isn't signed. How could Dr. Roebling tell who sent it? 
Well, since it isn't signed, we can assume he knew who sent it. As a matter of fact, I was thinking about that message at dinner tonight before Dr. Roebling fainted. It may be very innocent, and we're just getting excited about nothing. No, sir. No, sir, this note is a threat. Well, look at the way it's printed. Like a kindergarten kid prints. Now you're blossoming out as a handwriting expert, aren't you? Oh, gee, I can't say anything without being criticized. <laughs> I'm not criticizing you, Jimmy. I just think it's amusing. Well, you won't think it's so amusing if... If... If what? Oh, never mind. Now, don't salt, Jimmy. Where's your sense of humor? For all we know, this message may be very important. The fate of a nation might very well be hanging on it. Now, there you go, making fun of me again. Now, you're much too sensitive, Jimmy. Oh, well, maybe we'd better turn in. I'm going to stop by Dr. Roebling's drawing room and see whether he's all right. I may still get that interview. Can I come along? Yeah, I suppose so. In the next car. Follow me. Careful crossing this platform. Okay. Uh, yeah, this is the room. Maybe they're sleeping. Oh, Miss Roebling couldn't be. It's only been a half hour since I left her. No answer. It's funny. Here comes the conductor, Mr. Kent. Good evening. Something I can do for you? Uh, why, yes, yes, there might be. I can't seem to get any response from the people in this drawing room. Oh? Friends of yours? Yes. I I don't think they're sleeping, and I'm concerned because one of them, an elderly gentleman, was ill early this evening. Can the door be opened from the outside? Yes. I carry the only key. We're not supposed to use it except in emergencies. Well, this is an emergency. Try knocking again. No use. What's your friend's name? Roebling. Dr. Roebling. Hmm. Let me check this passenger list. Drawing room C, car 421. What'd you say the name was? Roebling. R-O-E-B-L-I-N-G. No party for that name in this drawing room, mister. You sure you got the right car? Oh, of course this is the right car. I was in that room less than a half hour ago. Yeah, look here. Drawing room C, car 421. Mr. and Mrs. Jack Smith. Mr. and Mrs. Jack Smith? Something's wrong somewhere. Has Clark Kent made a mistake in the drawing room? Or is Jimmy Olsen's feeling that Dr. Roebling is a suspicious character thoroughly justified? Who are Mr. and Mrs. Smith? And what has happened to Dr. Roebling and his daughter? Be with us again for the next revealing episode. Don't forget... Tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Something right here, uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, with an exclusive loot on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! The Loot Crate video box was with kids today, huh? 
Rouses! With crits starting as low as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for every collector's in. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, did You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look, up in the sky! It's a bird, it's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. Speeding toward Metropolis on a fast express, Clark Kent and Jimmy Olsen seem to have stumbled on a baffling mystery. When Dr. Roebling, famous inventor, collapsed in the dining car, Kent carried him into his drawing room and left him in the care of a young woman who said she was his daughter. Returning soon after with Jimmy to inquire as to whether the elderly gentleman had recovered, Kent could get no response to repeated knocks on the door. He explained the situation to a passing conductor who, upon examining his passenger list, informed Kent the drawing room was occupied by Mr. and Mrs. Jack Smith and not by the Roeblings. Here it is, mister. Right down on the card. Drawing room C, car 421. This is Mrs. Jack Smith. But I tell you, I brought Dr. Roebling into this room less than a half hour ago. I'm sorry, but i got to go by what's on the card. Mr. Kent, what is it, Jimmy? Maybe Dr. Roebling was traveling under the name of Smith. Didn't he use a fake name when you spoke to him in the club car? Yes, that's a possibility. Now, look, Conductor, this is a serious matter. i got no authority to open that door, mister. Well, who has the authority? The train master. Where is he? Up the head of the train, checking tickets. Would you mind getting him for me? Eh, it'll take some time. He's seven cars up. But I'll tell him. Thank you. You old sourpuss. He said he had a key. Why couldn't he open the door? Well, it may be beyond his authority. We'll wait for the train master. In the meantime, would you do me a favor, Jimmy? Oh, sure. Go to our drawing room and get the pencil I left on the windowsill. Sure, Mr. Kent. I'm on my way. Be careful crossing the platform. That conductor thinks I'm going to wait for the train master. He's crazy. Clark Kent might need a key, but... Superman can force the lock without any trouble. Here goes. Just a little more. Does it? Great, Scott. The room's empty. How could they have gotten out with a door locked from the inside? Oh, I see. One of the windows is open. That doesn't make sense. Roebling was sick. Why should he and his daughter leave through a window? Something's wrong here. No baggage left behind. Nothing. I wonder if... I figured you were up to something like this. Oh, it's you. Yes, it's me. And you're going to be arrested for breaking into a room. Now, wait a minute. This room is empty. Something happened to the occupant. I don't care. All I know is that you're going to jail for illegal entry, and that's final. speaking. Yes? Good. Well, thank Judge Taylor for me and tell him I appreciate it. Well, 
What happened, Mr. White? Taylor released him in my custody. Oh, I know, but how did he happen to be arrested in the first place? You've got me, Lois. Fine thing. Daily Planet reporter pulled in like a common thief. I could throttle him with my bare hands. Where's Jimmy? Oh, he's with Kent. They left the courthouse ten minutes ago. They should be here. Hello, Chief. Hi, Lois. Oh, greetings. Don't you hello me, Kent. Close that door. Around here, it's chilly. Colder than it was up north. Well, I'll make it hot for you. Now, what's the big idea? Do you think I'm paying reporters to get themselves arrested? Do you think oh, that... Oh, now, wait a minute. Hold on a minute. I've got one of the biggest stories of the year, Mr. White. I don't care if it's the biggest story of the century. I do care about this one. Dr. Roebling, inventor of that new secret communications device, was snatched off the train last night. Can't you crazy? Am I, Jimmy? It's the truth, Mr. White. It was lifted out of the window of a locked drawing room when the train stopped at Martin City. That's why I was arrested, for breaking into the room to find him. But he was gone. And so was his daughter. Now, wait a minute. O'Brien, press room. Yes? Harry White, hold the front page of the seven-star final for replay. Okay. All right, Kent. Now, don't bother telling me about it. Get to a typewriter and give me at least a column. Pass. Okay, Chief. You'll have 20 minutes. certainly didn't waste any time after reading his story on Dr. Roebling, did he? All he said was, Kent, you and Lois drive up to Martin City and get to the bottom of this. Just like that. <laughs> well, at least it made him forget about my being arrested. You know, in all the excitement, I never did hear what happened after you broke into the drawing room. Oh, the conductor caught me with the goods, as it were. Called the train master, and Jimmy and I were taken off at the next stop and turned over to the police. I tried to talk my way out of it, but nobody would listen. Somehow, that whole thing doesn't ring true, Clark. Very puzzling. You know, I checked on Roebling before we left Metropolis. To all appearances, he's been a hermit most of his life. Incidentally, what do you expect to find in Marden City? Oh, search me. It was Mr. White's idea, not mine. Well, you'd better start thinking. There it is up ahead. A city of 500,000 people, and we're looking for one old man and a girl. All we can do is try. Mr. Kent, I can think of a lot more exciting things to do than sit in a hotel lobby all evening. For instance? Well, even a bad movie would be good compared to this. That suits me. Can't do anything till morning at any rate. How about a movie? Well, I take back what I said about a bad one. There isn't a good one in town. I, I think I'd rather go to bed. Okay. I'll find out at the desk. Why are you standing there like a wooden Indian? Feet nailed to the floor. Oh, see that blonde girl coming out of the elevator? The one with the green hat? Yeah. She's Roebling's daughter. Are you sure? Positive. Wait here. I'll be right back. Good evening, Miss Roebling. Oh. Uh, don't you remember me? I'm afraid you've made a mistake. No, I haven't. I met you on the train last night. Your father suffered a fainting spell and I carried him into his drawing room. Oh, of course. I'm terribly sorry. That's quite all right. You see, I, I'm really not myself. Father is dangerously ill. He's at the hospital here in Martin City. That's why we got off the train rather suddenly. Oh, that's too bad. Do you live here, Mr... Uh, I believe I've forgotten your name. Clark Kent. Oh, yes, of course. Now I remember. Do you live in Martin City, Mr. Kent? Uh, no, no, I just stopped off on business. 
I was sitting in the lobby with a friend of mine, a young lady, when I saw you step out of the elevator. Strange that we should bump into one another again. Yes, it's very strange. I'd like you to meet my friend. I'd be delighted to. She's over this way. Lois, this is Miss Roebling, Miss Lane. Oh, how do you do, Miss Roebling? How do you do? Did you say Lane? Yes, Lois Lane. Oh, name sounds familiar. You've probably seen it. Oh, it's it. quite common, Lois Lane. Or maybe you're thinking of the movie actress, Lola Lane. <laughs> probably. Well, I'm sorry to have to rush off, but I'd like to get to the hospital. You'll excuse me. Oh, certainly. Happy to have met you, Miss Lane. Good night. Good night. Good night. I hope your father's better. Thank you. Why did you break in on me like that? You were about to tell her she probably saw your name in the Daily Planet, weren't you? Well, yes, what of it? You don't think you're the only one who gets his name over his story? No, 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 don't go off the handle. I didn't want her to know we were reporters. Why not? Because there's something very rotten in Denmark. She told me her father's in the hospital here in Marden City. That's why they got off the train last night. Through the window? She didn't stop to explain how, and I have a faint suspicion she's lying. There you go, building up fantastic stories. She seems like a thoroughly charming person. You can't tell a book by its cover. I'm afraid we're not going to a movie tonight. Why not? We've got some checking to do. You call the hospitals and find out which one Roebling's at, if any. I'll check on the girl with the room clerk. Meet you back here. All right. Good evening, sir. Uh, good evening. Have you a Miss Roebling registered? Roebling? Yes. Well, just a moment, sir. I'll see. No, I'm sorry. We haven't. Well, uh, she may have registered under another name. Well, what is the name? I really don't know, but I, I think she checked in sometime after nine last night. It's very important that I locate her, and anything you can do to help me will be appreciated. You say she may have checked in last night after nine. That's right. Well, let's see. There were only two registrations after nine last night. One was a Mr. Miller, and the other was a Mr. and Mrs. Jack Smith. What? Did you say Jack Smith? Yes. Mr. and Mrs. Jack Smith. That's it. What room are they in? 514. Thank you very much. Where's Lois? Oh, there she is, coming out of the phone booth. Lois? Called all three hospitals. No roadling. Of course not. Remember my telling you the conductor on the train said a Mr. and Mrs. Jack Smith were occupying that drawing room? Well, Mr. and Mrs. Jack Smith are at this hotel, in room 514. Well, well, what do we do? Uh, Well, uh, nothing tonight. You go on to bed. I'm going out for a walk. Okay. Night. Good night, Lois. I didn't think I'd get rid of Lois that easily. Now to investigate room 514 from the outside. No, thank you. 14 must be in the rear because my room is 714 and it faces the back. I think I can duck through this alley. Now, here we are. Now, the problem is to figure out which room is 514. Let's see, they start numbering from the left. The odd rooms face front and the even rooms face rear. That means 514 is the 7th room from the left on the 5th floor. Well, take a chance. As Superman. Up! Up! Figuring is correct. This is the window. The room's dark. So I'd better step inside and look around. Up with the window. Gently. What will Superman find in room 514? A clue to the mysterious disappearance of Dr. Roebling? The identity of Mr. and Mrs. Jack Smith? Or will it be something he least expects? Be with us again for the next exciting episode. 
Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird, it's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. Strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. Clark Kent and Lois Lane have been sent to Martin City to unearth what information they can concerning the mysterious disappearance of Dr. Roebling, a famous inventor. Within an hour after checking in at the hotel, they learned some amazing things. To begin with, they accidentally met the blonde young woman who claimed she was Dr. Roebling's daughter and learned she was occupying room 514 under the registration of Mr. and Mrs. Jack Smith. Sending Lois off the bed, Kent, as Superman, leaped to the window of 514, raised the sash and dropped silently into the darkened room. For a moment, he stood motionless. And then... Both beds are empty. Nobody's here. I'll look around anyway. I might find something of interest. Well, I'll sense making it harder for myself by working in the dark. I'll turn on the light. That's much better. Now, let's see. Mm. Just one large suitcase. I don't like rummaging through other people's belongings, but I think it's justified in this case. Initials on the suitcase are K.R. Could that R stand for Roebling? Let's see what's in it. A mm, couple of dresses. Silk stockings. A pair of high heel shoes. Nothing very exciting. Oh, wait. Driver's license. Issued to Catherine Roebling. It's possible that she is his daughter? Can't figure this out. None of it makes sense. Wait, here's something else. A pencil memorandum on the back of an envelope. 218 State Street. Uh-oh, someone's coming in. That means I go. Off for the light. No time to close the window. Out and away. Forced to make a sudden departure because of a key turning in the lock of room 514, Superman is unaware that the person manipulating the key is none other than Lois Lane. Lois, attempting to steal a march on Kent and get the story of Dr. Roebling's disappearance first, has gone to the hotel desk, brazenly requested the key to 514, and is at this very moment slowly opening the unlocked door. Phew. Hmm. I had a few uneasy moments. If I'd have found anyone in here, heaven only knows what I'd have done. Now i got to work fast. Let's see. The light switch should be along this wall. Yeah, here it is. Hmm. Nothing but a suitcase. Well, Miss Roebling, or whoever she is, doesn't travel in any great style. Hmm, not bad-looking dresses. Let's see where they were bought. Madame Lenore. Well, our blonde friend must have money. Shoes, 
stockings, powder, package of hairpins. Not much of a story here. Wonder where that... Oh, don't move, Miss Lane. Keep your mouth shut. I'm sorry. I, I walked in here by mistake. I see. And you decided while you were here to look through my suitcase. What do you take me for, fool? So you don't have to point that gun at me. I'm not a criminal. Pretty close to one, I should say. Uh-uh, stay where you are. This little pearl handle revolver isn't a toy. It hasn't much of a bark, but it's got a terrific bite. So what are you doing in here? I might ask you the same question. Don't get smart. I don't like smart women. Well, then you won't mind if I leave. Take one more step and they'll carry you out of here feet first. Now, how did you get the key to this room? I simply walked up to the room clerk and asked for it. Why? Give it to me. I'm afraid you'll have to come and get it. I prefer having the door unlocked. Oh. So that's how it is. Yep. That's how it is. Now look, Miss Lane, I don't want any trouble with you. You broke into my room and I could have you locked up. Why don't you? Go ahead. Call the police. I don't need to. I can handle this in my own way. Now give me that key. Uh Uh-uh. Sorry. I said give me that key. Still sorry. All right. You asked. Now, wait. I believe you would use that gun. You see, you came pretty close to getting it that time. Hand over that key. Thanks. Now we can lock the door and have a little privacy. You think of everything, don't you? It's pleased to be careful, Miss Lane. My husband and I have too much at stake to take chances. Oh, you have a husband? Oh, yes. And you may have the pleasure of meeting him. That's my husband now. Stand back against the wall, Miss Lane. And don't move. Hello? What happened to you? Oh, I ran into a little trouble. What do you mean? I was just about to leave when I bumped into that man I met in the train, you know, Clark Kent. At the hotel? Yes, in the lobby. He had a girl with him, Lois Lane. She's here in the room now. Why are you wasting time? I told you I needed those papers immediately. Oh, take it easy, Jack. She broke into my room and I caught her going through the suitcase. What? Yeah. Well, what'll I do? Well, who is she? I don't know, but the name sounds familiar. Well, lock her in the room and get down here as fast as you can. I think he's ready to sign. On the level? Yes. I must have those papers. I'll be there in ten minutes. Okay. You're a lucky girl, Miss Lane. Things are breaking right for us, so we're going to give you a break. I'll have to lock you in, but the maid will let you out in the morning. Thanks a lot. Oh, don't mention it. You'll pardon me while I toss a few things in my bag. And uh, here I you need men to assist with this, this telephone wire, just so you won't be tempted to call anyone. That's very considerate of you. Don't mention it. There we are. All set. Well, goodbye, Miss Lane. Better luck next time. So long. Help! Someone let me out of here. Help! 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 Locked in the room with the telephone line cut, Lois pounds on the door until her hands ache, but all to no avail. Meanwhile, Superman, having once again assumed the disguising role of Clark Kent, has been seated in the lobby behind the pillar, awaiting the return of the mysterious young woman he now believes is Catherine Roebling. Suddenly, she steps out of the elevator, carrying her suitcase, approaches the desk, and checks out. Keeping well hidden, Kent follows her to the street, watches her slide behind the wheel of a blue roadster, and drive off. Rather than risk detection by trailing the girl as Superman, Kent steps into a waiting taxi cab and follows her. Same driving that bus. If you're stepping on it, mister. Keep up with her. Yeah, but what if I get a ticket? I'll take care of it. Okay. Hold on now. We're going to make this corner on two wheels. 
You all right, mister? Don't you worry about me. Just keep that roaster in sight. Ah, she's going 70. I can't pop this crate up much higher. But if we can follow her tail lights a long way. Ah, baby, look at her take that right turn, huh? She almost went over. Ah, that's a light car she's got. Don't hold the road so good. Well, here we go. <laughs> ah, you don't have to worry, mister. This jalopy is built solid. I'm not worried. And there's only one thing I don't like. Crossing these intersections at 65. That ain't healthy. Look out! A car coming out of the side street! Look out! Unhurt, despite the fact that the rear end of the cab folded like an accordion, Kent, making use of the strength of Superman, plows through the twisted steel to extricate the driver of the cab and the two occupants of the second car, all badly injured. Meanwhile, the girl in the blue roadster has reached her destination far from the scene of the accident. Slipping into the dark hallway of a dingy tenement, she mounts the steps and enters a barren one-room flat, where Dr. Roebling, gaunt and looking older even than his years, is seated in a chair. Facing him is a youngish man with thin, cruel lips and shifty eyes. I thought I told you to get down here fast. I came as fast as I could, Jack. Close the door. Lock it. Where are the papers? I've got them in my handbag. Here. Mm -hmm. All right, Uncle Walter. Now, all you have to do is put your signature on these two papers. I told you I won't do it. Why do you keep insisting? I thought you said he was all set. Shut up. Who is that woman? That's Catherine, my wife, Uncle Walter. Now, here's the fountain pen. Just sign there. I've seen her before someplace. Oh, yes, I remember. On the train. She sat at my table in the dining car. She was the one that... Put some drops in my coffee. Nobody put any drops in your coffee, Uncle Walter. You're just not well. And I want to see that your wonderful invention is protected. Come. Sign the paper. No, never. Never. You can keep me here until I got dead, but I'll never give up the rights to my voice machine. I know what you want it for. To profit by it. You're my brother's son, all right. He was the same way. Grasping and avaricious. I am wasting time, Jack. He won't sign that way. I'm handling this. Okay. Now look, Uncle Walter. I'm going to give you one more chance to sign these papers. Do you hear me? One more chance. Then we'll try something else. I don't care what you do. I'll never sign. Maybe you don't know it, but the world's on fire today. Civilization is fighting for survival. My voice machine can be used in that fight. No one can have it for private profit. All right, you old fool. You'll sign the rights over to me whether you like it or not. Get the hypo out of my bag, Chicky. Here. What does it do, Jack? Thank you. It'll make him groggy. He won't know what he's doing. But we've got to be careful. Dangerous stuff. Come on. Hold his arm. You let go of me. Let go of me, I say. Roll his sleeve up. Jack, you're mad. You're insane. In my brother's thunder. Shut up. Now, hold his arm steady. That's right. Steady. Steady. Now what will happen? Will Jack Roebling, unscrupulous nephew of the aged inventor, gain possession of the invaluable voice machine? And what is the voice machine? So precious that a model of it is insured for $10 million. Don't miss the next episode or any episode after that.
Follow the thrilling story with Superman. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look, up in the sky! It's a bird, it's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! Strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, send steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. With Lois Lane locked in a hotel room and Clark Kent involved in an automobile accident... The blonde young woman who posed as Dr. Roebling's daughter and is in reality his niece by marriage made good her getaway. Speeding across town, she joined her unscrupulous husband in a barren tenement room where he was trying to force his inventor uncle, Dr. Roebling, to turn over the rights to a new secret voice machine. So valuable it has been insured for $10 million. In the meantime, Kent has returned to the hotel from the scene of the accident. Hurrying to Lois's room, he finds her gone. Frantically, he searches the lobby and makes inquiry at the desk, but to no avail. Meanwhile, in room 514, where Lois has been unable to attract attention by pounding on the door, she has torn the bedsheets into strips and is knotting them together, preparing to lower herself out the fifth floor window. Well, that's the last trip. If it isn't long enough to reach the ground now, there's nothing I can do. Hey, as tight as I can get it. Gotta try it. Never knew the fifth floor of the building was so high. Looks like a long way down. An awfully long way. Well, only one thing to do. Find out whether this bed sheet rope will reach. Here goes. Out the window with it. It's hard to see in the dark. Can't tell whether... Yeah, I see it. It reaches. That's a relief. Ah. Tied this end of it to the bed. Pull the bed over close to the window. There. That does it. Now, Lois, old girl, let's see how good a monkey you are. One leg over the sill. Just take it easy. It's a long drop if you make one slip. Now, now the other leg. So far, so good. Seems to be holding Deep breath and down slowly. And With amazing courage, Lois begins her perilous escape from the locked room, climbing down the improvised rope to the ground five stories below. But unknown to her, the swaying of her body is rubbing part of the knotted bedsheet against the sharp stone corner of the window ledge, gradually cutting into the material. At any moment, it may rip and send Lois hurtling to her death on the stone courtyard below. Meanwhile, Clark Kent, unable to find Lois, has returned to the desk, where he makes further inquiry of the night clerk. 
Are you sure you haven't seen Miss Lane? Try and remember. She's dark, about five feet four, and very pretty. She was wearing a gray pinstripe suit and a brown hat with a, a greenish feather. I wonder. You wonder what? I wonder whether she could have been the young lady who asked for the key to 514. 514? No, no, that, that girl's blonde. Oh, there were two of them, sir. Two of them? What do you mean? Well, two young ladies asked for the key to 514. What? And as I recall, the first one answers the description quite accurately, except for the hat. She wasn't wearing a hat. Wait, let me get this straight. Two girls asked for the key to room 514? The first was a brunette answering the description I gave you? Yes, sir. Well, did you give her the key? Yes, sir. What about the second girl? Was she blonde? I think she was, sir. I told her the first young lady had taken the key. Yes? She seemed puzzled, but she said nothing. Just entered the elevator. Okay, that's all I wanted to know. Thanks. Going up, sir. Fifth floor, please. Fifth floor. Thank you. You're welcome, sir. All right. Good night. Here's 514. That sound coming from the room. Couldn't be two women in there, neither of them talking. That's impossible. Open up! What's he doing? All right, we'll open from the outside. As Superman. This lock shouldn't be too hard to force. But even as Superman slowly forces the locked door, grim tragedy is in the making in the room beyond. Worn through by constant rubbing against the stone window ledge, the knotted strips of bedsheet down which Lois is climbing are about to part, but the courageous girl reporter suspended four stories above a stone courtyard. Suddenly, the material gives way. Lois screams as she heard the sound. What was that? Someone screamed. No one here. What's that hanging out of the window? Great Scott, Lois falling. Down, down. Got her. Only a few inches from the pavement. That was too close for comfort. I'd better land and see if she's all right. Poor kid, she's limp as a rag, fainted dead away. I can't blame her much, that's a long drop. The best thing to do is take her to her room, that's Clark Kent. No, no, that's no good. There'd be questions asked if I carried her through the lobby. I'll take her to my room through the window. Up! Up! Now, up for the window. And inside. There we are. Now, a little cold water should bring her to. Just get some of this past her lips. That's a good girl. Swallow it. That does the trick. I'd better assume Clark Kent's role before she opens her eyes. You're all right, Lois. Take a little more water now. That's it. Oh, I was falling. I think... Now, just take it easy. Clark. Clark, what happened? How did... You're the luckiest girl alive, Miss Lane. What happened? How did I get here? Last thing I remember... Something gave way, and, and I was falling. Oh, it's horrible. Well, you won't believe this, Lois, but you fell on a pile of mattresses. What? On the level. I imagine the hotel was getting rid of some old mattresses, and they were piled up in the courtyard right under your window. If they hadn't been there, you wouldn't be talking to me now. Well, that's funny. I didn't see any mattresses, and I looked out the window before climbing down. What on earth made you attempt anything so dangerous? It was the only way I could get out of the room. Why? As Lois recounts to Kent the reason for her attempted escape from the locked room... Dr. Roebling, inventor of the voice machine, is at the mercy of his unscrupulous nephew and his blonde wife. At the moment, the two conspirators are standing at one end of the bare room, watching Dr. Roebling attempt to rise from the chair in which he is seated. What does that stuff do, Jack? The stuff he shot into his arm? It's supposed to make him dopey. 
put him in a sort of trance. Let me go, Jack. He's my brother's son. He can't get out of the chair. Yeah. Stuff's beginning to work. What happens when he goes into the train? Well, he'll do what I tell him. Sign that paper. Jack, listen to me. Listen. 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 Okay. I think he's ready. Come on. Get the pen. Okay. Uncle Walter. Yes. How do you feel, Uncle Walter? I feel. I feel all right. That's good. You remember you were going to sign a paper for me, Uncle Walter? A paper? For what paper? Don't you remember? Someone was trying to steal your voice machine and. You were going to sign a paper to keep him from stealing it. Oh, you must remember. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I remember. Put the pen into his hand. Right. Now you're all ready to sign, Uncle Walter. Oh, you dropped the pen. Put it back in his hand. There, we picked it up for you. Now all you have to do is sign right here. Uh, what am I signing? I told you, Uncle Walter. It's to protect you from having your voice machine stolen. You want to be protected, don't you? Yes. Protected. That's why you're signing. Now, come. Just write Walter Roebling on this line. Hurry, Uncle Walter. There's much time. That's it. He's signing. Shut up. Oh, no, Uncle Walter. Don't stop. You must write your last name, too. You just sign Walter. Hold his arm. we got to work fast. And stuff will wear off. Come now. Finish it. There we are. R. O. E. E. L. I. N. G. That's fine. All right, come on, Chicky. Get out of here before he comes around. Jack, you're marvelous. We've got it. It's all. Stow the chatter. I'll take the suitcase. Come on. Jack, you're my brother's son. My brother's son. Why are you doing this? Jack, my brother's son. I'd like to check the 218 State Street address pencil in the back of that envelope. I still don't understand why you insisted on getting our car out of the garage instead of using a taxi. I feel safer with a wheel in my own hands after that accident. Well, I trust myself with most cabbies. They're good drivers. Yeah, I suppose so. Well, at least they don't go through red lights. Oh, sorry. I didn't see it. <laughs> car stops on a dime. Good brakes. Oh, there's the job I'd like to own. Huh? That blue roadster waiting for the light across the street. Blue roadster? Lois. What's the matter? That's the blue roadster Catherine Roebling drove off in. Look, she's in it now. Sitting next to the man at the wheel. There they go. And we're going after them. Hold on. Are you sure that's the girl? Positive. I'm going to catch them if it's the last thing I do. Can the car Kent is driving keep up with the blue roadster? Or will Roebling's nephew escape with the papers his uncle signed? Superman may have to take a hand. 
As a matter of fact, he does in one of the most thrilling episodes you've ever heard. Don't miss it. Don't forget. Tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comic Magazine. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!